Welcome to episode 15 of the Grand Turbriz Bros Podcast. It is Wardez here welcoming you to a very special interview episode with Anthony Felix, also known online as FT Ant. He tells us a little bit about his background and GT and racing games, history and stuff like that. It's a very interesting podcast. Awesome dude. Always love chilling, hanging out with him. Anthony from California is going to fill you in on what makes him tick. Maybe even what makes him so damn fast. You never know. That's why you got to tune in and listen to the whole thing. I hope you do enjoy this format. We're going to do more of this for you guys. Uh, interviewing characters across the landscape of GT. Hope that you uh, can drop us a line if you have any feedback to provide for us or any suggestions for guests in the future because we could always use that. We're trying to, we want these people to be more than just a soundbite. So that's enough for me for now. There will be a preview podcast of the Tokyo World Tour coming up soon with a roundtable possible format. So I do hope you enjoy this. Definitely spread the word, which will help us a lot. Remember to subscribe to us on YouTube, Grand Riz Bros on YouTube. And enjoy the podcast, episode 15. I've been Wardez, and here I go again, introducing myself into a different timeline. So cheers, and thanks again. And so, man, I just, I wanted to start off talking about your past and how you started with GT and stuff. Like, what was the first one that you ever got? Well, I got, had, had every installment that's came out uh, since I was a little kid, like two or three years old. They were when I first got my hands on the first one. And then, yeah. Uh, just always played an array of games, racing games on the PlayStation. That was the only system I had. Just a lot of the earlier Need for Speeds, stuff like that. I've always just been a fan of racing. Grew up on NASCAR and whatnot. So, like, I always understood, like, the fundamentals, like, the concept of racing. For sure. Yeah, the Greek games were an awesome way of getting into the background you know of, or you know you, you get to discover all these different uh categories of racing from all over the world and um and, and obviously there's nascar and stuff too and so was your family into racing anyone in your family uh just really just my dad I and mean, he was he just got in nascar uh like a couple of years before I was born in 96. I mean, that was pretty much the only racing that was influencing in my life. I didn't have any family members or anything actually involved in racing at all. Uh, just always been a fan of NASCAR on television. Yeah, man. That was a golden era back in the day before the Chase Cup. You know, when it was the Winston Cup, when it was all cigarettes, cigarette racing yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Jeff Gordon was like the young buck came coming through. I was really young back then too, and I was definitely in a NASCAR. It was a it was a golden era for American oval racing, but then it just started getting all you know. They I think they tried competing a little too much with football and other things, and they were losing some viewership, and they panicked and just kind of spoiled things a little bit. But it's, I think it's still fun to watch here and there, you know, especially in person. It's still a fun thing to go see in person for sure yeah when i was younger we used to go to sonoma uh every year 
in the late 90s and early 2000s because the, uh, the trap was only about 45 minutes away from where I was at. So yeah, you're only, in Northern California. Yeah. It's a nice place to be. It's a, There's a lot of fast people in California. You have Tristan not too far. People, you know, you got your people in LA as well. There's going to be, oh, I don't know if you heard about it, but in LA, they're going to have just a little side thing. They're going to do a F1 demo on, in Hollywood. So anyone that lives out there, yeah, check it out. It's going to be on October 25th. Do you like F1 that much yourself? No, I, I never got into it. I don't follow it at all. Yeah, so when you met Lewis Hamilton, you were like, cool, bro. It's nice to meet another racer. <laughs> yeah, like, I always know who he was. Like, I tried to get into it when I was younger. I just never consistently, like, followed it. Yeah, it can be tough having to wake up, you know, or wait, like, you have to stay up or wake up. On us on the West Coast, it's even tougher, man. In New York, the 5 a.m., you know, for us, a European race is 5 in the morning. For them, it's like 8. It's a lot more manageable being on the East Coast. But yeah, I can see how that's it would be it's easier and more to uh to follow these guys that are in the States sometimes and it's just they're bigger the the characters are like way more out there. In in F one they're a lot of the time they, they can't do anything because it's all corporate controlled and stuff. But that's that's another thing. It's like, did you always have an eye? Because you do a lot of graphics, and I always thought that was awesome. You, you did a lot of team liveries. That's one of the first ways that I was kind of introduced to you myself, like seeing people talking about, like, oh, I made, I got, we got this livery from, you know, Ant, Antalicious. Because before, you know, you were Antalicious on PSN when you were starting out. Was that like your PSN for a long time, and then you changed it? Yeah, that was the first one I made. Like, the seventh grade or something like that <laughs> when I got a PlayStation 3 on NASCAR 09. NASCAR, yeah, NASCAR 09, that's the one that had a livery editor too, right? Yeah. Or skins. Yeah. And that's uh, how you got into skinning. Yeah. That was the first game I ever had got online with. That was like the first game that ever got me into like online communities and like forums and things like that. That was like the first game that got me into things like that. Yeah, it's uh, everyone kind of has their introduction. For me, it was like Initial D. It was, it was weird kind of going from that to because the wheels. Did you ever play Initial D in the arcades? Yeah, I, I played it, but like I didn't know what it was at the time. <laughs> that was like before I'd actually watched the entire right. series. That made me want uh, the playing the game in the arcade. That made me so hooked on the idea of getting a wheel. You know, I was like, I need to have this. I didn't even know you could have it in your house. And then I started, <laughs> <laughs> I started seeing some, you know, Logitech wheels back in the day. And I was like, whoa, gotta gotta figure that out. And eventually, you know, we're here now. Did you did you uh, were you a pad user most of the time, like on GC five or six and stuff? Yeah. The- was, like the funny thing is, like the first iteration of a wheel I had was like this cheap little GameStop wheel I had on it was for the PlayStation Two on GT Four, and it was just like a little spring, just a spring-loaded wheel that only went like 180 degrees, like 90 left and 90 right. Oh yeah, yeah. 
it was just one of those. <laughs> that was like the first little thing I had. And then going on to GT5, I kind of just, I started in the drifting community on the controller. And then I eventually it got a driving force. But I'd always been in the drifting community. Like I never actually raced or anything like that. Like I didn't do the GT Academy or anything. That's wild, yeah. I just kind of just started drifting on the wheel. That's kind of how I learned how to use it. And then I eventually got a G27. Had nice. that for a couple years. Played a couple games on PC, like Lift for Speed and R Factor. Nice. But that was just, like I said, mainly for drifting. Like, I never like raced on a sim like i never focused on the fundamentals of, you know grip driving i was just always drifting that's really funny man to me not in a bad way or anything but just that like there's so many people that get that you think all these drivers that are are racing in these um live events for gran turismo you think they're all kind of the same but the, what the more i talk to everybody the more I realize just there's no one way to do it at all. You know, everyone has their own method of approaching becoming quick. And for you, to me, in my eyes, you always seem like very natural, you know, like you didn't have to, not that you didn't have to try hard, but you didn't have to think too much about it. You know, you just kind of drive a few times and then you just, you do your time trials and you go out there and, and you race and you usually do pretty well. But uh, having a basis in drifting is really interesting to me because like we talked about in New York, I felt like if you have that basis of drifting, you're able to deal with oversteer. I mean, it seems obvious to maybe a lot of the people listening, but um, there, there's some things that you kind of get skilled on in the drift. If you're focusing on drifting that when you transfer to, to grip driving, as some people say, that's uh it can really be beneficial but um, I guess the only trouble that you have when you're really trying to focus, like if you're really trying to get quick at some track now, then the only thing you have to deal with is like trying to not drift sometimes, right? You have to be like, like, do you ever just kind of break out of a, a long session and you're like, fuck it, I, I just want to drift right now. I just want to drift this car around the track for a while. No, like, because I never really been into drifting like the last couple years there was like a point in time where I really wasn't playing games at all for like a year or two I was out living away from home mm -hmm. just doing some other work you know after school and whatnot so there's just a point in time where I wasn't playing at all and then when I came back it was kind of when GT Sport had came out and I started playing again like at the kind of beginning of last year, like the start of 20, 2018. That's right. When and I, you, that's when I started. Of, you were um, partnered up sort of with Six Speed, right? When you came back on the scene, sort of? Yeah, because he's the one who actually was the one who taught me how to drift on GT5 when I first got my wheel. Nice. And so shout outs to him for a few years, yeah. His name's uh, Six Speed Sideways, right? Yeah. On TSN. He, has he been doing anything recently? Have you talked to him recently? No, he hasn't been doing much on PlayStation. He does mostly iRacing now. Ah, cool. Yeah, there's 
That always happens. It's funny mm-hmm. to me when I, when I was on GT5, every once in a while people would get frustrated, and they they would actually always come to me on because uh, you were on GT Planet just like I was back in the day, and because um, I would always tell people like you know I was always an annoying guy and being like, well I started with iRacing actually now I now I just do GT, and they would always ask me questions about having you know the PC because in Believe it or not, back in 2010, my PC was actually pretty good, and now it's not at all. <laughs> so I would help people get set up. I was kind of like a weird one of the guys on GT Planet that would be like, that would help guys get away from GT and then get onto the PC scene. But um, what's what I think is interesting now is the same cycle happens again. Like, and what what it usually is, people. I feel like people go to PC more so because of the community. Like for whatever reason, they'll have maybe some issues with the community or personal whatever's with people on GT, and then they'll be like, you know what? I want to go to the to where the grass is greener and uh, try out PC Sims, see if I like that. And they usually do. I mean, iRacing is good unless you're, you know, you kind of have to be a little bit baller to keep it going for a long time because it's. It can get expensive, but besides that, it's a it's an awesome community, I think. Yeah, that's the one thing about the drifting community is like on Live for Speed. I don't know if are you familiar with that game. It's a fairly old yeah. game. It came out in like the early two thousands. I never, I never got to get, I never got into it because even when I was first getting into PC Sims, it was like two thousand ten. It was kind of old at that point. Yeah. There were other games, and it was all I knew. It was uh, that all I knew about it was that it was like more autocross kind of parking lot stuff. But it always looked cool, and I always heard people say the physics were great and stuff. Yeah, it's kind of what uh, mainly keeping that game around is the drifting community. Because literally every time I hop back on that game, you can find a drift lobby, and you know, there'd be a room with people having a little you know session going would like, you say that's the more uh the more realistic the most realistic i, I don't know how many you've tried but or just comparing it to real life because have you done drifting in real life very much like i've i've drifted like you know some more stock cars yeah i haven't really drifted anything like purpose built okay you know I couldn't really compare something like that, but what I what I did notice is like it helps, uh, it helped me understand. Like I said, the fundamentals, like understand what's right and what's wrong. Because like believe it or not, I translated <laughs> what I've done in the game. And, like my little, I I used to have a little mini truck, for example, a Chevy S10. Yeah, I like yeah, that. It, it was lowered. It was you know. And it was a little more agile than stock. It was stick shift. And, you know, I kind of just applied those same fundamentals in the rain. <laughs> and, uh, then, you know, it, I was able to do, I was able to drift. Nice. Yeah, I drifted my parents' suburban one time in the rain by accident. <laughs> but it, I only drifted for, like, a split second because after I drifted, it just completely spun around when I was putting the power down. So that was my first kind of fake drift. But we did do some drifting in GT Academy. There was a drifting challenge where it was a 350Z with like a big pole. 
attached to the back. And uh, the goal was they had like some balloons or like, no, they were like a big, you know, like balls that were set up on some sticks and you're supposed to drift and slap the balls off of this, off of these pylons with, by drifting, you know, because you had to do, there was like four of them in an arc kind of config, like there's, they're set up like an arc and you had to drift and hit them. I hit the first one pretty good. And then. The second one, I don't, all I remember is feeling the thump of like the third one, hitting the pylon and not hitting the ball. And, uh, but I, I did all right. Those tricky and cause they kept telling us, you know, you have to initiate the drift with the wheel or something like that. And then you kind you don't, cause what people tend to do most or what people tend to do wrong when they try drifting is they try to eat, like they chop at the wheel trying to get it to move around or whatever for whatever reason like you're just instinctually moving the wheel too much and they were saying it's all in your feet and your throttle you know you gotta balance it that way so still really tricky though there's a lot going on when you're drifting so i respect drifting good drifters a lot for sure i saw the video of you drifting in austria that i think the yeah, one of the PD people threw it up onto the Instagram. That was pretty cool. Yeah, just, uh, you know, stand for. Yeah, it's a fun little thing to show off. Not a lot of people can do it, even in the game. It's, it's difficult, dude. I've always wanted to, to get better at it. You could you could coach people, charge them for it. I'm sure you'd be successful. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, moving on from drifting... Um, we could talk about FIA and congratulations, first of all, for, for the back-to-back wins. That was damn amazing, especially because when in New York, you were talking about how you set out to do it, you know, and then, then it happened. So big kudos for that, man. You guys have a really good team going with Nicholas and, and yourself. And now you have, uh, a French guy. I can't believe I forget his name. Yeah, Storm. Tom. Yeah. yeah, Tom. Yeah, he's pretty freaking fast. So, just on in terms of driver ability, you guys are gonna be like considering all the teams. If they had like even cars, your your team would be insane on its own. But having the Mercedes is like whoa. Yeah. Do you feel like uh? Like, what are your chances for World Finals? Is it does it really just? Are you kind of looking at World Finals, thinking like we're at the mercy of the uh, what they pick for the tracks, or do you guys have some ideas in your head as as far as what to expect for World Finals? Or are you just thinking about Tokyo right now? Uh, Tokyo is really going to come up and couple of weeks so quicker than quicker than you expected yeah um, we're not really worried about let's say like a certain combo or whatnot. I think it would just be because at these events there's just a lot of things that are out of your control that end up happening I mean, Definitely. it's almost like a lot of these things never end up going to plan, even though it seemed like our last couple wins kind of went to plan. 
but maybe that's just a matter of fact of the stewarding and the driving getting a little bit better too, but I think the only thing I'm really worried about is just whether or not, uh, or what they do with the BOP. Because, uh, at the, at this last event, uh, in Austria, the BOP kind of seemed all over the place. Um, yeah. It, it definitely wasn't the same at home. And what was different about this event, we practiced and qualified at the hotel. And we race, you know, at the at the Red Bull hangar. So we didn't race on the same rigs, like on the same system. And to some people, it seemed like either the BOP or the physics were different at the hotel than they were at the hangar. Right. So there was like a lot of, you know, superstition involving that. <laughs> yeah, I can see how people would get. Um, thrown off by that it starts to because sometimes you can imagine that stuff happening for sure and it can be like a placebo effect uh, like everyone you know it's the same thing every time there's an update on GT like, people swear the physics are changed for whatever reason <clears throat> and it ends up not being true but it just takes some time I think some people just get used to things faster than others you know you're going from one setting in the hotel to another one in the uh, hangar and just your environment changing can affect the way you drive I think you know so that's why I think it's another it's yet another aspect of these races that test people in different ways that are driving so you know it, I think that's what can affect things for sure but of the two combos for Manu uh, you know one being Red Bull in the wet and the other one being the dry spa race would you say that the times were more different in the rain track from going from hotel to hangar or the other one maybe i don't i don't think the Not, times were really that different it was just feeling yeah, I can understand that. Yeah, it seems like it's just yeah, people seeing st feeling stuff that may not be there. But that was cool. I mean, in general, what was your that was your first time in Austria, right? You weren't in the last world tour. Yeah. What did you think of the city, just in general? Like, how did it uh, impress you? Yeah, the city is pretty dope. You know, just like how a lot of those European cities. Uh, the older cities themselves, just everything being, you know, really compact. There's a lot of things close together and whatnot. It's real quiet at night, too. Nice. Salzburg. How was the food for you? Yeah, the food they had was pretty damn good. Nice. Yeah, the Kaz and company, they always tend to pick the best spots for that kind of thing. And, and I'm sure you guys had some good-ass beer as well. Yeah, uh, I think the last nights uh, we had dinner, it was at a brewery or something like that. They had a nice selection of beers. Sweet. And then going into the race itself, like, well, <clears throat> just talking about the format, how did you personally like the idea of uh, having just two races versus 
the New York style or the previous style where it was like, you know, three races, each driver gets a turn on the team and then they have a final race where it's all of you. So, did you mind it too much either way or? I think, uh, I'm not entirely sure exactly how I feel about it. Like I think the three individual races in the final race definitely ramps up like a, uh, like a, a climax, you know, like there's, mm-hmm. you know, the, the tension builds up, you know, race after race as the points build up and you get down to that final race. And I think if, and because of also the fact that, you know, every driver obviously gets an obligated amount of time doing your own race. Yeah. But uh, I think if they're going to stick to, like the two longer races where everyone drives, I think the races could be a little bit longer and there should be, you know, some obligation for how long stint should be. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, because otherwise people go a long way just to do two or three laps, which is... Depending on the person, you know, some people want to race and some people uh, enjoy just being there, you know, so it can be kind of whack if you're really excited to race and then you have, you know, two teammates that you're like trying to figure out a strategy with and you're like, somebody has to go <laughs> and do the hard tire stint. So like, how how is the discussion amongst Mercedes for you guys? Because uh, if you can remind me like how many laps like who did which um, tire stint in the spa race yeah i just did a out and in lap on the hearts so it wasn't yeah even... and how did you kind of come to that decision as a group like were you guys did you volunteer did were they was, it, was there a back and forth no because i i'd always choose to use the hard tire like that's what i ran in new york I just prefer the hard tire. And, you know, oh, gotcha. Once we, because we didn't know this, you know, coming into the event, but, you know, once we were practicing and seeing how much slower they were in practice, you know, right. it just, it just came down to it. It's like, you know, only one lap is going to cut it, you know. It's interesting. I haven't thought about it in that approach where you kind of decide like, I'll be the hard tire guy and then, you know, and so on with the different uh, dudes in the team. Cause that makes a lot of sense. Cause then that way you can kind of just focus on driving your car with those tires and you specialize in them. And there is a special knack for it. And as a drifter, I think it makes a lot of sense because you, you being on the tire, that's a little more slidey, right? So that's pretty cool can handle that oversteer even though it's not that bad in america i would say yeah and and then leading up to new york like yeah um nurburgring was obviously tougher mercedes you went to nurb as for chevy that was last your last appearance right yeah and merc was really close i mean they could have had the win it could have been three consecutive wins at world tours right yeah there's right there yeah, were you there watching the racing the, those manufacturer races? Yeah, I wasn't there at the venue, but I was. I seen it on stream. Yeah, 
Yeah, because you had some issues with traveling back then. This was like in what May, right? Yeah, I'm not exactly sure when those tours were. And uh, like, if you don't mind, just let us know kind of a picture of what your experience was going over there. Because you had also, was it like what was the thing that was kind of bothering you in, in Germany that? Uh, didn't really allow you to perform at your best. It was it was the same exact thing that happened in Paris. Really, I mean, it was just a uh, was just an anxiety attacks. Uh, kind of just the long flights. It seemed like you know just being up for a long time. Just kind of just being out of schedule. Body being out of schedule. Not eating right and everything. And then at both events, it was the morning after arriving, like the next morning I woke up. That's when kind of just started. It was just chronic vomiting. Uh, couldn't really, you know, control it. You had to go to the emergency room at, at both events. You know, the same exact thing happened. And just there was just no way I was able to compete. Dang man, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, I can feel I feel for you in those situations because you go, you know, you want to go and and hang out and race, but instead you get a tour of the medical systems in Europe, right? <laughs> yeah, man, that's wild. But I'm super happy that you're now uh, dealing with it better and you're able to race and not only race, but you're able to you know, kick so much ass to to really be an asset with in Mercedes in order to get you guys those wins so you've really turned them around and or you've i mean you've turned around your you know ability to um to just be effective on these tours and and i think it's really cool you, you didn't give up man you, you some people may maybe would have gotten embarrassed and been like oh I, I shouldn't go or whatever but you stuck through it and you went to new york which i think was a little you know obviously going to be easier because you're still in the states but then going to austria this time I was really glad to hear that you were you were doing well and that you were able to put in another stellar performance and and get that that W, you know. That was awesome. Yeah, the Austria flight was probably about it was like a 10 10 hour flight from where I was coming from. Right. Yeah, cuz you went over with a bunch of guys from San Francisco which was really cool. You guys kind of, it was almost like a little sleepover on the plane and stuff going over, huh? Yeah. We all didn't have the closest seats to each other, but you know, we were all hanging out in the airport beforehand and whatnot. For sure. Yeah, man. And you got to hang out with your teammates again. Uh, can't have an interview with you without mentioning yeah, uh, FT still rocking it with them, yeah. Yeah, has yeah, awesome group of guys. You got you know Nico and Bernal, uh, a bunch of these, some of the fastest anywhere doing it in GT Sport. So, you still do liveries for the for the group? Uh, not too much recently, and there's nothing we've really done as a team. Yeah, much. I mean we're kind of just. A group of guys I just keep in touch now, really. I mean, there's nothing really 
as far as a team aspect goes that we necessarily set out to do right now. Yeah, that's cool. Keeping it casual makes the, I think it makes the uh, the team actually last longer and the relationships be more real in a sense. Because if you have like obligations, that can start making things kind of shit. You know, it can kind of spoil things between friends and stuff. So I think you guys are doing a great job at, at keeping a a team going. And you never know every once in a while something will pop up and maybe you guys will be like yeah we'll do a team race in some league or something like that but for now obviously the focus is getting results at the FIA events and going to world finals together and getting some maybe some pictures in and stuff but uh, speaking of like friends in Gran Turismo sport I know you and Randall are close uh, also known as Zygon or uh, original S14 I always see you guys together on track and stuff, so that's pretty cool. Like, how how did that relationship kind of get going? Uh, it wasn't really anything specific. It was kind of a slow start, really. I mean, it was kind of just a matter of being in the party a few times and then, you know, slowly getting familiar with each other. And then kind of realized, you know, he was more of a younger person like myself. Kind of had, you know, the same vibe. Yeah, dude, he's hilarious on WhatsApp. The the memes that he posts up, I just, I always enjoy. It's, a, it's always a good highlights. If he has, yeah, add him on social media or whatever if you can, because it's just hilarious. But I was surprised. I didn't know that he was, like, in, like so fit and into football and stuff. You know, you always you always imagine the guys being like until you meet someone. Some people are always like imagining like some weeby weeby guy just <laughs> hanging out, and then you meet him, you're like, "Well, it's different." And I'm always surprised by the guys that I meet. You know, putting faces to names and stuff. Yeah, that's like the funniest part of it all. <laughs> because sometimes I don't even hear. Like sometimes I'll meet someone that I've been talking to a lot on GT Sport. But I never hear their voice, and then even hearing their voice and their the way that they talk, uh, the way that they look, it's just like a mind fuck. It's pretty pretty crazy. Are you going to make it to uh, nation? You're not doing nations cup at all anymore, right? No, but I think uh, I'm not entirely sure, but I think I'm supposed to be doing it in Monaco because it's the top five selector top five for North America oh nice dude how do you feel about the difference between like like what do you kind of look forward to more you know between Man U and Nations Cup like do you see Nations Cup as more like a fun thing to just try to go far in and and then do you, as versus like Man U where you may see that as more like I need to help my team win kind of thing? Yeah. I mean I don't know, I just never had the inspiration for for nations. Yeah, I remember when I was doing Nations Cup stuff last year, because I focused, you know, I'm kind of like one, because I don't have as much time now, so I, I tried to focus just on one, you know, championship. Mm-hmm. Last year was Nations, this year was Man U, um, 
both fun in their own ways for me. But I remember last year we were practicing um, for Nations Cup. It was a race. It was a uh, group two at St. Croix A, I think. And I just remember you, you were like killing it in that, dude. Like in the GTR, uh, you were lighting practice on fire. And uh, that was one race I remember clearly because I was expecting you to take to take the you know the big point win i think it was going to be like the third slot for some reason and you could only do like the first one that day and i was like yes he's not (laughs) he's not gonna be in the third slot and that was just me and tristan racing hard uh road beef that was a really fun race but i remember watching you just disappear when we were in practice that was uh you're really good in group two like i would say Yes and no. I mean, it depends on how much time I play it because high downforce cars are generally slower to, slower than uh, than most. Yeah, but maybe that's more of a thing. Like you don't put as much practice into it because versus your ability. Because I think you can be pretty quick, but if it's not as as fun to you like if the car feels numb because it has so much downforce then i can see well, it's, you know, not, it, it's not that like i enjoy driving like the group g's and the super formulas it's just gotcha i always just see myself you know so far behind pace and like it's just a different fundamental of racing that you know i'm not used to that i didn't grow up on because like i say coming from nascar i'm my um, my understanding of driving a car is a big ass heavy <laughs> V8 that you know likes to roll over on itself. That's not something that you know go karting, for example. I didn't grow up you know go karting or anything like that, and that's what's more similar to high downforce racing. I feel like, and that's just an entirely different fundamental of racing and understanding on how to drive a car. For sure. Yeah, like this year for me, I focused on group four, trying to get better at that because I had always been a little bit behind. And I don't know if what it, what it is. Like, I could theorize all day about what it is, but I just need to put more time in. Like I focused in GC5. For me, for me, it was like pretty much all GC500, what we would call now group two. But that's all I did. So I feel like group two is a nice balance between full-on like f1 prototype high downforce and you know your heavier cars so i think it's a good uh approach if you try to get good at group two then you can kind of go from there and, and be effective um overall pretty well but i mean that's one thing about all the drivers why i respect all the drivers in gt sports so much is because or in, in general if you're good at a lot of cars in gt and like if you can be really kick ass in a road car and then the next race kick ass in a in an F1 car, it's like that's so difficult because there's so much different. There's just such a difference in the approach, you know. You have to be more patient with the road cars, and yeah. So would you would say that that's your specialty more? It's just road cars. Yeah, got the handle on those pretty good. Yeah, there's just not as much in Manu, right, <laughs> or anything at all. Like Group Four is as close as it gets. <laughs> Well, then, especially when they do 
that road car races and nations they use weak slipstreams which is i know that's a lame man i just don't understand that's why i didn't participate in the super cup it was you know weak slipstream yeah it turned super cup into more of a uh lottery huh yeah i didn't i haven't i never even entered practice for that series kind of regret it now because i feel like maybe i could have done well but who knows it's all it's all good maybe i'll do it next year if it's still around maybe next year it'll become the hyundai cup (laughs) (laughs) the hyundai freaking partnership that's coming i hope not not uh that's what's weird about hyundai now i i used to always give them crap for not racing in real life but seeing them in the game i'm like wow that's kind of interesting seeing of seeing wind fire blasting by you in a hyundai kind of humbles you a little bit <laughs> do you have any uh, like you stopped you stopped going with chevy i know chevy's always been your favorite thing and in, in, in general right you're a big chevy fan corvette fan yeah and and what kind of drove you to go to mercedes of all the different brands when you're picking them The Group 3 Chevy, it wasn't bad, but it just, it seemed like it was getting killed mostly on the tire wear and understeer and like the longer sustaining corners. And the only reason why I went to Mercedes, because it was, it just, it was the most similar, it just felt the most similar to the vet than any of the other cars. Oh, interesting. Like, I, you know, I pretty much had to drive it the same way as I did the vet. It just had, you know, a little more traction coming out of corners than the vet did. And it was just more stable. I mean, I didn't pick it knowing it was going to be as good as it was this year. And I think the only reason why it did turn into one of the better cars is a lot of the other cars BOP has affected them worse because if you look at the last couple BOP changes the Mercedes really hasn't been touched everything else has just gotten worse that where the physics haven't helped it right yeah and that was kind of a lucky thing right I mean no one knew what was going to happen it was it was almost a totally different championship uh, leading at the beginning of the year going into that physics update right after preseason oh man really changes a lot so but like you know like it is in racing even though you can have a great car you know you still have to bring it home so to speak so i mean that was that was going to be another one of my you know paths for this conversation is just like how how much stress it was the yeah that new global ranking manufacturer series system like I, so many people are just so stressed out about getting those 40 perfect scores and stuff. And like, do you think that that like was like took a toll on you mentally? It's just like, as you got into realizing what you needed to do to get to these live events, like how did it affect you? Yeah, I think same kind of goes for everyone, but it kind of just depends on who your manufacturer was like it only that seemed that stress kind of only seemed to apply to the manufacturers and like the maybe you know top six or seven manufacturers 
Yeah, other than that, the scores are pretty spread apart across the regions, but yeah, just like the Vernal situation, for example, uh, when Storm came in like halfway through the season, it just started knocking down 40s in Europe and then ended up passing his score. That's why he had took his place coming to uh, Austria and Tokyo Monaco the rest of the year. Yeah. Yeah, man. And that's uh, it's a crazy thing in Europe, uh, trying to get on top of those. Like, getting a 40 over there is just ridiculous because anyone in the split one is capable of winning. And... But it's tough, yeah. That's what I didn't like about this season, and it was so competitive. And like Bernal is such a great driver, and like seeing him there, you guys worked really well in New York together, and so yeah, definitely sad not to see him in the following events. But I'm sure he'll be around, you know, and he'll he'll be, you know, he's always just gonna get better. I think in GTS, and he's already an established driver in real life and everything too. So. Yeah, I mean, there's always next year, but... And also a fellow teammate in FT as well. So that was pretty cool, having two FT guys in, in the same car in New York. But, uh... Yeah, and how's uh, Cody and, like, when you first got to meet him, was it... Because you met him in, you know, like, last year in Monaco. Did you really talk to him too much? Uh, not so much personally, but more just like while a lot of us were in a group. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's a cool kid when you talk to him one-on-one and everything. And he's just so dedicated to the game. Like, did you, when you first met him, when you were part of the Mercedes team, like, did that kind of give you a an extra bit of motivation? Or were you just kind of doing your own thing, like just getting through, like, the team aspect, you know? How was that for you? Like, it was kind of nothing really different than like what we would do in FT when we competed in a couple of third party championships, you know, it's just all a matter of sharing information really and understanding a strategy. For sure. Yeah, and he was uh he's pretty good with that stuff. He likes to go for some interesting strategies, I would say. And uh yeah, man, but being on the podium though, um, like in New York, in New York, kind of on home turf, um, and in such a dominating way, like you still, would you look at those trophies still and just kind of think about uh, how much time you've put into the games and, and how rewarding the recognition is, or you just move on, look toward the next thing, and. It's kind of just don't really look too much of it right now, obviously. Because uh, that's really all that there is to it right now. Until something bigger starts coming to these events, and until they give us the opportunity to get behind a real car and whatnot. And you know, it might mean a little more, but as far as right now, a lot of these events are just for the fun and the experience of going out to these places. Yeah, I like that. So you're like, I'm tired of winning, man. I just put me in a real car. 
Well, it's never, it's never <laughs> really like that from the get-go because, you know, there's, there's really nothing after, you know, winning in the first place, you know, other than the winners last year. They went to the FIA prize giving gala, and then you know, next year's back to the same old thing. You know, it's not like there was anything more that came of it. You know, it's kind of just taking it for the fun, really. Yeah, it is a ton of fun. I mean, every event it just has its own style of of getting everyone together and experiencing new things. And it's definitely an awesome aspect of going to FIA Gran Turismo live events. But yeah, I think in the future it would be proper for people to be um, looking more at, at prizes that are mon- maybe maybe monetary, like more um, depending on how things evolve. You know, like right now, I think every everything's being built up nice and steadily, uh, and that's a great kind of thing because this is the last kind of hard question that I had for you on paper. But as far as the future of GT Sport goes, um, you know, mainly talking about the live events and, and the esports aspect of it, uh, like what do you personally think? Like, what's your ideal uh, vision of? the esports Gran Turismo together for the future. Like, do you want to, like you already mentioned the driving aspect. Is that something that you are really like hoping for or, or like kind of even gunning for is like trying to showcase your talent in a way to where maybe uh, real teams see you as a development driver or, or stuff like that. Or are you just more interested in seeing it become something you can make, you can make a living with? Yeah kind of both honestly you know it's not like something they haven't already done with the the TT Academy you know for Uh, sure as far as like making living off him that'll always be a nice route too those championships get more established and there's actual you know, sponsors and prize money becoming involved. You know, there's actual incentives and whatnot. Yeah, but do you think that it's going to affect, like, what's your take on the idea of, of the, you know, the trade-off? So, you know, say that there are more prizes or there, I mean, there are, like, cash prizes or there's compensation in one form or another that gets pretty high profile. Like, do you think, um, like, because you already put a lot of time into the game, but can you imagine having to put in twice or three times the amount of time just to be able to compete at the top? Or how would that kind of affect you on your relationship with the game and stuff? I mean, as of now, really, this, as far as this year has gone, uh, I haven't put in as much time as most people would think, I mean, I put in all my time last year when I wasn't working, you know, all of 2018 I was on, you know, majority of the days, you know, six, seven, eight hours a day, and then I started working, uh, 
but late last year and all this year and now I kind of and then it enables just to sustain where I'm at. You know, I'm right. Play That's like interesting. Two, yeah. three hours a day now. Yeah, I hear that a lot. Um, different people have told me that, like, they kind of just maintain. Like, once you get to a certain level, you maintain it. You know, once you get your, <clears throat> to, in order, you know, just to compare it to the most non uh, Gran Turismo thing that I could say it's like building muscles you know you get like once you get your six pack I don't think maintaining it is as difficult as uh, getting it in the first place uh, same theory as applies here and yeah that, that's a good place to be at because once, once you do pour your time in and yeah you can kind of cruise a little bit which is fun but um, having to practice you know it's, it's that one that extra one percent is the toughest to to nail down and when you're approaching driving as a skill and, and being competitive with it it's that extra one percent makes you crazy because you go from gaining half a second you know being really satisfied but and you're getting you get to a point where you need to like kill yourself put in tens of hours just to knock out knock off a tenth you know at that point though it's just like building up your consistency and uh that's something that i think you always had naturally from what i've seen and and obviously you said you put in the work last year but uh very consistent driver so that's a good thing to to have in your toolkit of racing but as far as you know getting back to the idea of the future in gt do you think much about that like do you have hopes like for your direction like do you dream that you're a kazanori every once in a while and and try to you know, put your foot down on different ideas. Yeah, I'm kind of just taking this as it goes, really. I don't really have any concrete intentions with all of this. You know, just, like I said, this is more something I just have the free time to do and then I'm able to do. And you know, kind of just taking it as it comes. That's cool. Yeah, man. That's a good way to be and more chill relaxed California approach <laughs> which is great it's less stressful you have uh, more time to enjoy stuff away from the title and, and you don't get so wrapped up into the community um, you know bickering about the game constantly and and that's something that I've noticed you said as well before in the past where people sometimes you you'll see people in the community just asking each other like tons of questions being like oh what did you what's your total time what's your uh you know what's your blood type uh what what time of day did you set that lap on uh like what what is what degrees of rotation did you use your on your wheel to do this hairpin or blah blah, blah. like uh what's your personal take on all of that the comparisons and stuff like that yeah i just i just need people to feel the need to talk about that or put that out there is it's just it's stupid it's pointless like it's it's just a really conceited egotistical thing to do like oh i did this lap time with in 15 minutes with two tenths to spare you know or you know what i'm saying like yes this car is able to do this 
regardless of, you know, who's driving or whatever, you know, just, just stupid things that, like, just don't need to be said, you know what I'm saying, like, yeah, like, there's only so much you can do, you can only worry about yourself and what you can do to the best of your ability, I mean, you posting about yourself or complaining about something else that's out of your control is just pointless because there's nothing you can do about yeah. that. Like people that always constantly boast about their times, I mean, they just need to keep that to themselves and there's no reason to put that out there. It doesn't help anyone. It's just making a toxic environment. It just makes it a... puts the whole community in a pissing contest and just brings down the whole vibe. Yeah, I can see that perspective for sure. Like, it, it definitely would help if people played it more like poker, you know? Because that's the way I, I always personally saw it. Um, I wouldn't like to share and I wouldn't like to put out what... Just for me, it was most... It wasn't such a thing. Uh, it wasn't so much about... Um, like trying to brag about my times, like or avoiding bragging about them. But for me, it was more like I want to, you know, I want to play it like poker. Like I don't want to show you my hand. Some people are like some, but but on the other hand, other people when they, it's like if you're imagining imagining us playing a poker game. I always I think about this a lot when I I go onto the uh, like WhatsApp groups or st- you know chat different chat groups or whatever. Sometimes it really feels like everyone's just like playing poker in the room. Like one person will mention like, Hey, they'll, they'll kind of ha- give a, they'll do a, a bluff. You know, they'll be like, Hey, uh, this, you know, this guy over here. Cause sometimes they won't even admit that it's them. They'll say someone else hit a time. Like this guy in Europe hit, hit a time. It was like a 13 minute and 10 second total time. Isn't that crazy? And then everyone else is like, Oh yeah, I I only got a thirteen fifteen. You know what I mean? And then the guy's like, Yeah, I got you I got you in the palm of my hand, you admitted what your total time is. And some people get a little nefarious with it, I think. It could just be me in my own head thinking this dumb shit, but I feel like that sometimes. I'm just coming up with that as an example, but you you, you get kind of what I'm saying, yeah. Yeah, I know that's that's not exactly what happens, please. I don't know what it is. People are just so worried about what someone else can do. I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't see the, the concept behind that. Like, you're just hindering yourself and your own abilities. I'm just worried about yourself. Worry about being the best you can be. What someone else can do like, doesn't mean shit. You're not then, like, you know, you have to figure it out on your own time. Cool, man. You like you have a monk style approach to this almost. It's pretty interesting. <laughs> but that's uh, I think that's good advice for anyone to take. Because uh, sometimes you can definitely get wrapped up in thinking about what other people are doing in the game, and it can like strangle you into not doing any practice at all. Because sometimes you'll be like, "Whoa, I feel like." You'll do a little practice. You go onto the forums or whatever, and you see people are doing this time, and suddenly you're like, "Well, I'm not good enough," and it'll just affect you mentally. So, a lot of the times, it's better to put the blinders on, just get on the game and have fun with it. You know, put your put your laps in in your own way, and just get on with it. it seems to be working really well for you. Yeah. 
it's cool, man. I really enjoyed the conversation, dude, getting to know you more. I'm hoping the community uh, feels the same way because uh, you're definitely one of the, the brightest characters in, in the Grand Turismo community. And it's uh, like I hope more people get to, to meet you over time in, in real life. And I hope they, we get a little slice of that in this podcast. Uh, you're a really cool dude. And I look forward to racing with you, talking with you, hanging with you, and all that good stuff uh, into the future, man. Yeah, you're going to be at uh, Tokyo at all? Monaco? No, not going to be in Tokyo. <laughs> no, no. Monaco, unless something crazy happens, nah. But you never know. Like Crazy things happen. People... Uh, you never know. I'm not holding out any hope, but yeah, we'll we'll see what's up, man. And if it's cheap enough, I may even fly out there, be a guest. I'll sleep with, I'll sleep in your room with you on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, on that note, man, like I said, it's great to have you on the show. We've been talking about it for a while, so yeah, keep doing you and, and have a good night, brother. Yeah, thanks for having me on here, You're welcome. We'll, we'll do it again some other time and get some updates going after you win in Monaco. And yeah, man. Right, for sure. <laughs> have a good night. Yeah. Later, everybody. Later. Used to skip out round that pan. We don't go there no more. We don't see sun no more. Baby, wanna raid the whole apartment like the FBI. Taking everything from buys and pants and fans and golden eye. Except the doll, everything in the cows Used to be so perfect, but it's never getting solved I'm
In times like these, I just need to believe it's all part of a plan. 